is a gift. We are to celebrate this gift of church membership. And the way we celebrate this gift of church membership is by serving. It's interesting to receive a gift and how we treasure a gift. People know how much you treasure it by how you serve it. If you get a good gift, you put it in a good position. You might dust it. You might take care of it. You might oil it. You might do whatever needs to be done so that this gift is in good condition. We laugh at those cute pictures of children when they receive a gift, how they'll fall asleep with it. They'll take it everywhere they go because they treasure this gift. It means something to them. Church membership is a gift. It is freely given to us through Jesus Christ. This gift is something given willingly without payment. Church membership is given to us, I said. Means that it is a gift, not just a gift, but an awesome gift that includes some things. And have you ever received a gift that said assembly required? And then all that says no, no batteries included. Those are the gifts we like, but we don't like it. We got to go get some more stuff. If you don't already have the stuff that goes along with this gift. But the gift that God gives us has everything included. No assembly required. This awesome gift includes eternal salvation, forgiveness of sins by Christ's death on the cross, adopting by God the Father to be in his family, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and being part of the body of Christ. This gift of being part of the church does not include a, 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 a something of vain repetition or things you have to work for. But this gift from God is something freely given that has a lot of stuff that you can unwrap in this one gift. So now being part of the church, some may conclude is, is as being part of the church as just being part of the universal church. Which would include all believers everywhere of all ages and time and places. But I'm here to emphasize the gift of the local church, which is made up of a local assembly of believers coming together, teaching, fellowshipping, communing, and serving all through the fellowship of the Spirit of God. While observing its ordinances of baptism and communion. While serving with love. Christ said he would build his church. The universal church. He is the head of this church. And all believers are the body. But the local church is that tangible church made up of people you know by name. You know where they live. You know their troubles. You know their pains. And this local church is the church that we say, I will love, I will serve, I will participate in, yet still being part of the universal church. The local church is where we have more intimate serving and observances taking place. For this th greatness of this local church, look at what our Bible is made up of. Can you look in Acts and see how many churches are started there? And it's accounted of these local churches there in Acts. 
even when Jesus tells them how he's going to give them the Holy Spirit, he says, you'll start here in Jerusalem and go to Judea, then you'll go to Samaria, and you go to the outer parts of the world. It says in the 8th chapter how the church was persecuted, but yet they dispersed throughout the area. Even when you look at the local church and the letters to these local churches, to churches in Romans, first, uh, first and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, even the book of Revelation, it within it has letters written to seven local churches in seven areas. Therefore, the work of the local church is to serve the local community through the teaching of the gospel and a communal living and love. This work of the church should be our response for the gift we have in this great membership of the church. So I want to talk to us about this gift. Can we examine this gift? Listen to some of these verses that are we're going to be reading and see if you hear some similar words. God saves you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. When we received this gift of salvation, we became a part of the body of Christ. Therefore, being a member of the body of Christ is a gift. Listen to this. The gift of church membership is special and something to cherish and to show our appreciation to give back to Jesus by, by obeying his teaching and observing his ordinance as he's given to us in our text we read earlier this morning in Matthew 20th chapter, verses 26 to 28. New Living Translation reads this way. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus not only taught us how to live, but he also lived what he taught. He was the greatest example. He set the example to us how to serve and how he paid the price that we might have the gift of salvation to join his kingdom. Do you understand this gift? Listen to some more texts about this gift. Coming from Romans 5 and 8, then follow me, Titus 3 and 3, it says here, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives we were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Mm, mm, mm. I'm so glad Titus didn't stop there. Verses 3 to 7 goes on to say, but, can someone say but? When our God, Savior, uh, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Do you hear some similar things there? You heard a whole lot of giving. 
things that were given, things that were not earned or deserved. It did not say because we were righteous and we've done the right things. No, it says while we were sinners, many of us uh, were foolish and living a life full of, of diverse lusts and doing what we wanted. But yet God loved us enough that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us, to die a, a horrible death so that his sharing of his blood will wash us white as snow and give us the gift of eternal life. That's why so many of us love that great verse and we see it throughout the world. You get you one of those Gideon's New Testament books that show it to you in different language. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. You see the word again is gave. Church membership is a gift. It is something that was given to us. Uh, I, I'm sorry for some of you that are arguing against me right now that church members is not a gift. It's my right. It's my privilege. And I, the church has all these things to do to me. Well, you miss what Jesus said. He said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. He went even further. I even came to give up my life. Watch out somebody. There's somebody out there saying, I'm a good member and I serve, but you can't give up your time. He gave up his life. But you can't give up your time. Think about how we can be so easily distracted with our own lives that yet we see our Lord, our Master, our God so concerned about our lives, he gave up his life. This great gift we receive should move us to do great work for God's church. I said, God's church. Imagine if we start changing our vocabulary saying my church, but saying God's church. Think how the perspective will change. Christians do not work to be saved, but they work because they are saved. This is all in view of his amazing grace. What makes grace amazing? It is that it's a gift. The song says that it saved a Wretch like me. You know a wretch. A miserable person. Unprofoundly unhappy. They say, that's not me because you've been saved. But before you were saved, you were a wretch. You were unhappy. You were miserable. You were on your way to hell. But yet, someone died to set us free from the captivity of sin. And think about it, while you are on your way there, if you were true to the best, while you were on your way to hell, you didn't ask nobody to stop. You were having a good time doing what you were doing. Hanging out with your homies, hanging out with your friends, doing what you want. You were happy doing it. But someone decided to set out a gift. Grace is a gift. Freely given. To those who did not deserve it or earn it. Jesus chose us to see him as he is and to know him and his father. Now he wants us to show others we know him by how we love and serve one another. The church is a giving body. Jesus calls for the church to be different from the world. You see that in Matthew 20? He says, for his disciples, it should be different among you than there in the world. In the world, they are affluent and, and think prestige and power and privilege is something to be cherished. 
He says, no, for us, my disciples, those who are following Christ, it should be an honor to serve. Think about how many people don't want to wear badges to show that they're servants. Don't want to wear the uniforms or do the blue-collar work. They want the white-collar jobs. White-collar jobs pay more. You have high prestige. They invite you to places. Blue-collar jobs are people I don't want to be. That's why I went to school. I got my education, so I don't have to do a blue-collar job. You might find out if you start doing some research, a lot of people that got education are doing blue-collar jobs. And they're happy doing so. Society tells you one thing, the Bible teaches another thing. That I don't need to have a title and prestige and a whole lot of money to be happy. But since I got Jesus, I found out that serving somebody and they not knowing my name and send me a thank you in return is all right because my blessings are coming from heaven. Not coming from this world. This world has nothing to give that's going to last and sustain. Yeah, the world might produce diamonds. The world might produce gold. But I want to let you know that all that stuff's going to get destroyed. I know they say diamonds are forever. Which means they're going to last longer than you. But God's going to make a new heaven. And a new earth. If you don't believe me. Just check the end of the Bible. The world will tell you right there. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And all things passed away. All, all things, you know, all. A-L, that's all. And so we're understanding that the principle of God given to me, this great gift he has given me, this gift I have of being a member of a local assembly coming together has caused me to not be here for myself but to be here for others. Think about that mentality, how that changed to be here for others. And think about how I joined this ministry not because someone told me to join. I joined because I want to serve in this ministry. Think about how many times we do things we don't know what we're doing. That's a good thing. That means you're willing to learn how to do it right. But when we get into things, we think we know how we're doing things. We stop listening. We stop serving. We start lording. He says that that should be different. It doesn't matter who's the greatest. It doesn't matter who's in the first position. But it does matter who's in the last position. In, 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 in racing and in, in, in NASCAR, the, the person that has the fastest lap around the track is called to be in the pole position. And and the one in the pole position has the greatest advantage than everybody is because this person's already in the lead. And this person gets to be the first one across the finish line. This one sets the p- speed. No one can go before the first one. And if you beat the first one in starting of that race, they will flag you and make you go back. And so, therefore, in NASCAR, it's very rare from someone to start in the back and win the race. And so whatever they do, it make a big deal about it that how so-and-so went from the 43rd position and in the first in the race. They understand how could the one be last but become first. It's expected for the first to finish first, but it's not always expected for those to be in last 
to finish us. But you see, the kingdom principle has already flipped it. We're not here trying to be the fastest and get the pole position. We're here to be in the lowest position and work our way. Because when we're working for the Lord, it's amazing how people start recognizing you. That car in the last position starts getting recognized when it goes from 43rd to 42nd. And it goes from 42nd up to 3rd. They said, this car is up in the middle of the pack. It's, it started back here. When we start serving the kingdom of God, people start noticing you. to start realizing that, wow, you're serving not just 43rd, but the 42nd. You're serving everybody that comes by you. You're serving them. You're using them to give God glory and honor. Because Jesus told us to understand this, that be careful who you entreat. For you might entertain angels. We sometimes choose who we want to serve because how it's going to give us credit. Or how it's going to make us feel. Or, or we want certain friends around us because they will give us certain appeal. Because we know it's not who you know. You know, it's not what you know, but who you know, right? If I know so-and-so, I might get into such and such. But yet Jesus is letting us know that if you know me, that's good enough. And so he's told us that whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave for even the son of man. You see, I, I, I like Jesus that he makes clear of the distinctions that when it's ever confusing, he makes, makes sure things are clear that don't get caught up with the world. He says, what? Look at me. If you ever get confused, look at Christ. Think about how to serve in the kingdom of God. Look at Christ. Think about how when you get into your ministry meetings and things are not going right in the right directions, they're not working out the way you would like them to work out, that's your time to look at Christ. Y'all quiet on me. At that moment, at that time, you should just say, Lord, we need your guidance. We need your direction. Because, Lord, it's not my will, but thy will be done. Because we are not here to serve ourselves, but to serve him. And when we serve him, we are looking to serve others. Let me help somebody because somebody's looking at me kind of confused. How can I serve others when it's not my way? Let me point this out to you. If I came to your house and you gave me something that I could not eat, are you serving me? So therefore, I let you know that I, I am unable to eat this. I appreciate your interest. I thank you for giving me this food, but I have this allergy or I'm allergic to this or I can't eat this right. Then they'll understand, you know what? Th this will hurt you. This will hinder you. So let me give you something that's going to help you. That's how you do when you go to the restaurant. You get what you want. You want them to what? Serve you. And so think about when we come into the kingdom of God, I should be looking how to serve my brothers and sisters. Not see how they can serve me, but see how I can serve them. So therefore, it's not my desire. It's not what I want. Yes, I, I wanted this, but I realized this is not going to help you. So let me give you this. I thought you wanted a steak dinner, but you were happy with grilled cheese. Well, here's grilled cheese. We think something is great, right? We want things makes extravagant and things are nice. But yeah, sometimes you got to look at that person's need and just give them what they need. When Jesus was serving, he looked at his disciples and got simplistic with them. He says, you're looking at the world. You want to do things of the world. You want to be like them. I'm telling you, don't be like them. That should not be marked among you. When people look at the church, they should see attitudes of Christ. They should see serving going on around us. 
and through us. That Think about it, how many organizations, civil organizations, and, and you look at some of those board members on those organizations, you can find their name is not just on one board. That they're serving on other boards because that's what's in them. They're, like, they're not there for the time. Now, you got some resume fillers that just get on one board just to put on their resume. But you have those who are serving because they want to serve. And so think about us. If somebody looked at our resume, would it show a resume of serving? Would it show us willing to be last? Or would it show us liking to be first? Would it show us looking out for our church and praying for our church? Or us criticizing and tearing down our church? Because when you look at this serving attitude that Jesus is giving to us, he's pointing out to us that we are not to be like the world, but to be like him. Our next text I want to tie into this is Acts 4, chapter, verses 32 and 35. I just want us to look at this short passage and not the whole because there's so much going on. But I want you to catch what Jesus was pointing out, this communal living and how it was lived out. And Acts 4, chapter, verses 32 to 35, New Living Translation reads this way. All the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them. And bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Looking at this text, it says all believers, or some translation says the congregation. But it's pointing out that it was all was a multitude or the totality of who? Believers. The commonality here is the word believers. I want us to highlight that believers can be highlighted to those who are of the same faith or those who are Christians. Another term that we often use for the word Christian may be our brother, our sister, believers, saints. In that time in Acts, followers of the way. It was those highlighting them that had one same belief that they believed that Jesus Christ was their Lord and Savior. And they repented of their sins. And because they had the same heart, this same attitude, this same mind. You see that they in the text, how they had the same mind. They had one heart and one soul. Can I highlight another text that says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. It's amazing how when the Holy Spirit is using us and we are being used by the Holy Spirit, how things start working out. It, it, it's, it's shown here that they had one heart and one soul. So to emphasize his heart was a center of people's thoughts and emotions and conscience. All the believers refers to those names described here specifically were have faith in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These followers, these Christians, these brothers and sisters, servants or slaves or saints or disciples of Christ were able to be unified to serve one another. Why were they unified? Because they didn't want no one in need amongst them. They said that they saw a need, they met the need. Said those who have property or house would sell them and bring the money. 
so that they can help those in need. Think about how when you see those, t- those commercials or you see a tragedy come, you start thinking about those in need, you say, I can help them. And you send and you donate to those respective organizations because you want to be a blessing to somebody in need. And think about when you give them, you don't put down your name, your address, for them to send you back a thank you letter. You just send it out because you say, I, I don't know what it feels like to be without a house or not to have a blanket or not to have a meal, but I want them to know what it feels like to have a meal, to have a house. So I donate whatever it is I can donate to give to them. Think about that amongst the body of Christ. How would you feel coming here Sunday after Sunday and you looking around and you find out that someone has no place to stay? What would you do? We say, oh, I love you, and Jesus loves you, and have a great day. And they go home still hungry, still no place to stay while you go out to eat at your favorite buffet and get ready to go home. Is that showing the love of Christ? We need to look after and say, how can I be a blessing to you? Can you come and join us to eat? Or may I give you a meal? Or what can I do throughout the day to help you find a place to stay? See, this, this, applause, this, this, this law was applied to their heart to understand what Jesus pointed out to them, that what? Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another by this. All men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. This new command that he gave to his disciples to love one another is demonstrated when we love one another, we will serve one another. And when we serve one another, we're looking to meet each other's needs. And we're willing to put ourselves last. And, and think about how the apostles were, in, in Acts 5, chapter 12 to 16, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord's crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought into the streets on beds and mats. Y'all, y'all see this in the Bible? So that Peter's shadow might fall across them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. And they were healed. You see what happens when we allow God to use us. Miraculous and wondrous signs start happening in his church. And this happens to demonstrate how God is pleased with what's happening in his church. When you look at Acts on fourth chapter, you see the example that is given. And they they go on a little bit further to give a highlight, a, a, a great pro-example of Barnabas and the encourager, how he sold and laid his money down at the feet, and then they gave a discouragement to find out how uh, these two how they were lying on what they give, and Peter looked at them, and God allowed them to die right there and bury them right there one after the other. And a great fear came amongst them because they understood that they're not going to play with God. They cannot be false witnesses to God. We need to look at the same thing, that how dare we be false witnesses? To the kingdom of God, saying, I tithe, I give, I serve my church, I love my church, I pray for my church, I work within my church. And watch out now, you may do all those things, but are you doing them for the right reason? 
Jesus would say, many will come and say, Master, I've done this in your name. I've done this. He says, depart from me. I do not know you. And who does Jesus know? The good shepherd knows his sheep. And the sheep know his name. And so when we know him, we serve him, we love him, and we don't do it for ourselves. We do it for his glory, for his namesake, and we're willing to put ourselves last. So the mark of the church is a mark of service, a mark of sacrifice, a mark of giving. We need to look favorably to serving one another and sharing our resources with each other. The church grows through awesome expressions of love towards each other. Jesus loves us and expresses love by serving us. The Son of Man came to serve and give his life as a what? A ransom for many. In Christ's service, he sacrificed his life, willing to, willing to give up his life so that we might have life. You understand, when he gave his life as a ransom, he was paying a price, a payment for our redemption. We could not pay for our salvation, or can we earn our salvation? Our salvation is through Christ alone. By no other name can we be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Jesus gave his life so we may have this awesome gift of salvation, which brings us into the body of Christ. He's given us this great gift. My question to you, what will you do with this gift? Will you cherish it? And to cherish this gift means you will serve. To serve means you don't serve yourself, you serve others. To serve means you don't look to have a title unless that title is a slave. Because the greatest of all is the least of all. We look at the example of Jesus. To serve, we want to follow the great example. And the great example is the great I am, Jesus. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Matter of fact, I came to give up my life as a ransom for many. As we will eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we do so in remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who poured out his blood for the remissions of sin. Does anybody here understand that you had a debt that you could not pay, and someone freely gave you a gift so that you could be set free and that you can now live in his kingdom. Watch out, somebody. Anybody here live in a house that you did not pay for? It's a good thing to have a house that you ain't got to pay for. You don't have to worry about the bills. You don't have to worry about filling the refrigerator. That's what many of us probably, when we got grown and got our jobs, I realized I'd rather be a child again. Every day I woke up, mama made sure I had something to take care of. Now it's my job and my responsibility to go in and take care of. Here I want to point out when God makes his new heaven and new earth, you have nothing to worry about. He will have everything taken care of us. So if we don't have to worry about what we need because God's going to supply our every need, we should just serve everybody else. Because Christ has gave us the great example. This great example we realize when we celebrate the cross, this great example of serving, that he looked at the punishment and the shame that was going to be upon him that he did not deserve, but he did so on our behalf. Oftentimes, people became slaves to work off a debt. And so once they work off their debt, then they are set free. I want us to understand that we had a debt that we would never be able to work off. 
And so therefore we would never be set free. But Jesus says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm so glad that the writer of Corinthians pointed out to us where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, I'm trying to point out that in the presence of God, we have freedom, we have liberty. And check this out. We are not in bondage. We are not in chains. But we are choosing to be slaves because the King of kings has set us free. And so my church membership is a gift. And what will I do with this gift? I will cherish this gift. And I will cherish this gift by how I serve my brothers and sisters in this fellowship. I will be a functioning member. I will be a unified member. I will not make the church about my desires and my pleasures. I will pray for my church leaders. I will look out and be a leader so my family will know how to be good church members. And I will cherish my church. Membership as a gift. It's not a social club. It's not a private exclusive club. It's not a fraternity or a sorority. No, it is something greater. It is something that rep- represents the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the host of hosts. That if someone is needed in a place of refuge, this place is a place of refuge. If someone's in need of a sense of healing, This place is a place of healing. If someone's in need of any kind of help or assistance, we pray that we will be that place to help get them to where they can be if they can't find it here. We want to be the servants that God has called us to be. So we don't go around bragging how we have wall-to-wall attendance. We got this great big facility. We have this and we have that. No, we want to go around and say, I have Jesus. And I want to serve in his name. And I want to live in his name. Can I help somebody as I go to my clothes? Remember, in, uh, uh, Peter and Jane, they were going to the gate called Beautiful. And a man consistently was always out there asking for arms, asking for gold and silver. And he looked at them because he could not get up. He was lame. He says, do you have any gold and silver? They looked at him and says, gold and silver I do not have. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he, he didn't just talk about it. He was about it. He put his hand out and lift that man and that man leaped up and he jumped up and started worshiping God. Do you understand what happened there? He was not there looking at what could he give to somebody that was going to fade and go away. He says, I can give you something of greater value in the name of Jesus. We can do the same thing. We can go serve in the name of Jesus and we can transform many people's lives because God will use us as his tool, as his vessel to bring forth transformation. Will you let him use you? Because he's given you a great gift. What will you do with this gift? If you have ever asked close, please. Lord, we come to you right now, oh God. Thank you, Lord, for this gift. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that set us free. And Lord, we ask right now that you will continue to show us how to be your faithful brothers and sisters of Christ to each other and be your children. That, Lord, we will honor you by all that we say and that we do. Father, Lord, there might be someone here who's trying to decide, oh God, how to be a part of the local church. Father, we pray that you will continue to work on their hearts and that they can come to a conclusion today of what it means 
to assemble together, to worship together, to serve together, to love together, and together worship our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. May we stand.